I am having, like, I don't even want to talk to people sometimes that have completely different political views than I do, you know? It's hard. But um, there's a solution. Well, I don't know if it's a solution, but you have this flyer um, tonight, and this church is hosting uh, something called Respectful Conversations, and it's something that the Minnesota Council of Churches has been doing since 2012. So hosting people, sit around a table, try to have respectful conversations Someone will be leading it with people who have different views. So, I mean, I think it's a great idea. I'm going to be there, and anyone's invited. You can check this out for all the information. This is the House of Mercy, and welcome to it. have life in us, lots of it, full and lively, abundant life. Feed us this, whatever that means, however you can. That might be why we are here, or maybe not, but we are surely hungry for something. We pray for fullness, or even a moment's satisfaction. Amen. The peace of Christ be with you. Let's share a sign of peace from a distance. I invite you to join me now in the prayers of community. I'll end each prayer or petition with God in your mercy, and I invite you to respond, hear our prayer. Let's pray. 
Gracious creator, we pray that there is a way to sustain life on this planet for humans. Even though we confess to being the most destructive species, still, we pray for human generations to come and trees and water and birds. We pray that we can learn a path forward since it will clearly take more than our small capacities as individuals, we pray for an end to destructive fossil fuel corporations. We pray for the manufacturers of plastic to find something else to make. We pray that those charged with governing will not be reluctant, regardless of the lobbying efforts of wealthy businesses, to do what they can quickly to change the course toward destruction. We pray that your spirit of life of creative possibility will move among us. God, in your mercy. God of mercy, we pray for the world. We pray for peace. We pray especially for Afghanistan. And we also pray for Haiti in the wake of the earthquakes. God, in your mercy. God of life, as school starts and summers end, as our little children and big children and teachers go back to classrooms and colleges, we pray for wisdom and safety and peace. We pray that this thing that happens every year will not have to fill us with fear. We pray for an end to the surge of COVID. We pray for the possibility of continued flourishing for students and teachers. We pray for curiosity and patience and even the thrill of learning as school begins again. God, in your mercy. God, in mercy, we pray for our friendships, that we can be and have and find good friends. Give us the possibility of relationships that help us know we are loved and that are generative, that help us freer to embrace who we are, people with whom we can be ourselves even with our brittle edges and crazy imperfections. We pray for love in our lives. God, in your mercy. God of peace, we pray for some of that peace for those who are grieving. The death of someone they love or the slow disintegration of a once healthy mind or body for those struggling with disease, with cancer, or COVID, or the many other sicknesses that hurt us and the ones we love. Wherever healing is possible, we pray for it. And where it is not, we pray for peace and beautiful moments and the assurance of your everlasting love. God, in your mercy. We have not loved our neighbors as well as we might. We have not loved you with our whole heart we may not even know what that means. We hurt people and the planet. Hear our confessions, hear our gratitude and our prayers as we pause now for extended silence. You love us more than we can imagine and forgive us all of our sins. Thank you.
Amen. The scripture reading for tonight is from the Gospel of John, chapter 6, verses 51 through 58. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats of this bread will live forever, and the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. The Jews then disputed among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Those who eat my flesh and drink my blood have eternal life, and I will raise them up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Those who eat my flesh and drink my blood abide in me, and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so whoever eats me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like that which your ancestors ate and they died, but the one who eats this bread will live forever. The word of the Lord. All right. Okay. All, uh, all right, all right, all right. You know that Matthew McConaughey thing, right? Talk about a market disruptor, huh? That guy. Pew, pew. How was a break? Everybody? Everybody out there have a good break? Did you stretch your muscles, uh, get the blood flowing again? You got yourself a little energy bar? Good, good. You know, they have the good ones out there, don't they? Those are the good kind. All right. So everybody ready to dive back in? Okay. We're going to start with a little session one recap. Remember session one from earlier, disrupting and dominating the sector. And then we're going to move right into session two here, disrupt and dominate to a market in need of radical disruption. So in session one, we saw that uh, the disruptors that become segment dominators, they enter through the weakest markets, if you remember. Listen, disruptors that dominate start at the fringes, they work their way in, they find the edge, they define the edge, and then, and this is the important part, they find key potential players, find the edge, define the edge, then integrate key potential players as co-collaborators and you transform them into your own insurgent chain disruptors until the legacy pillars and pylons are decimated, obliterated, and eradicated. Now, without the legacy pillars and pylons, the aging infrastructure collapses and the sector not only clamors for a life raft but sees the only life raft left standing is the sector dominator. Now guys, given these key insights, we gotta start at street level, right? Remember, and why? Because that's where sector dominating disruptors start, right on the street. And once we're on that street level and we're seeing straight, not from that 30,000 foot perspective that you were taught, I mean, what is this, 2014? Hello, 2021's calling. Come join us, the water's fine here. Now, we talked about this prime example of a real disruptor, a real market disruptor, 
And this is based on real-time, on-time, observational data. We look, took a look at the religion mark, market and specifically looked at the way that Jesus, this young rabbi from a small population center, saw a vulnerability in the Abrahamic Middle Eastern monotheistic sector of the religion market. And this example of street-level disruption and domination saw Jesus' new movement, this Christianity, it's even named after him, not only disrupt and dominate this whole uh, monotheistic sector in the Middle East, but this Christianity disrupted every sector of the religion market and continues to dominate. And Jesus did it simply, cleanly, and at a time when the market sector was primarily dependent on temple worship. That's what he saw. He saw that this had pretty much operated unchanged for like 1,500 years. Jesus saw a market in need of radical disruption. The energy around the temple worship waned, and as the sector grew in size, it necessarily had to grow geographically. Well, that put a large portion of the Abrahamic Middle Eastern monotheistic sector quite a distance from the temple. So in order to engage, these users had to travel anywhere from up to 50, hundreds of miles to the temple in Jerusalem. It just wasn't practical, and it wasn't very smart. The inherent structure of the whole practice requiring that temple worship was always going to limit growth. Jesus saw this, and Jesus acted, and Jesus eliminated the temple and said, I am the bread of life. I came down from heaven. Take and eat my flesh, drink my blood, and that will give you life. Now, if you were here last week, I came on hot with this whole, you know, uh, jargon and marketing kind of thing. Like, I was, like, pretending like we're at some seminar, right? Um, and I was following up on it today. But um, you know the term commitment to the bit? I just don't have it this week. I just don't have that commitment to the bit I had last week. Um, so let me just tell you this. Why even come up with the whole bit, the whole thing I want to talk about? Um, I've been reading a lot of articles, listening to people talk about what is the church going to look like post-COVID. Like, there's always kind of like this, this COVID fear. People are talking about people aren't going to come back or it's going to be completely different. Maybe they're going to continue to walk online. Or do we have even... Um, do we, do we, what do we have to offer people that will entice them to come back in? And there's all kinds of consultants writing articles, uh, you know, 10 things you can do to change your church to uh, make it more inviting in a post-COVID world. One I really like to say uh, that we're way beyond content now. <laughs> what we need is a moment. So let's take a moment. <laughs> Way beyond content. 
I read this article that was like, it was all about how that just for a long time, everybody's known that the church attendance has been going down, down since like the 50s. And, but it, it is speeding up. People are leaving churches, having no affiliation with churches in much faster, um, much faster than the church decline is much faster than anyone expected. And uh, for the first time, more than 50% of people in America says they have absolutely no affiliation with any church, mosque, or synagogue. And people are, people are worried. I mean, mostly people who work in churches <laughs> are worried. Um, but it's puzzling to me that their, their response to this um, one uh, uh, representative of the Catholic Church, uh, because the Catholic Church has seen the largest and swiftest decline, especially over the last 10 years. And uh, they're struggling to try and explain this. They never ever once mentioned that some big things have been going on in the Catholic Church like in the last 10 years that maybe might... Uh, dissuade people from going. They don't bring this up. Instead, what this uh, representative of the church, Catholic Church, says is that um, the younger people now, they have so many other distractions, and they don't respond to the old ways. And then he goes on to say, they have smartphones. How are we supposed to compete with that? <laughs> How are we? I don't know. He concludes by saying, look, if we're going to be church in the 21st century, we're going to need to think of new ways to do it. This can't just be about death and resurrection anymore. It's bigger. <laughs> so I'm thinking about all this. And reading these things, because I'm, you know, I'm interested. Um, at the same time, we've been reading chapter 6 of John. This is like the fifth week. And it seems like it says the same thing over and over again. And uh, reading these articles and reading these texts for, uh, for this sermon, I can't help but thinking... Um, The Gospel of John is not helping this problem much. I mean, we're talking about, Jesus is talking about feeding. First he feeds the 5,000. Then he's talking, they come, they want more bread. And he's like, no, you need bread so you'll never be hungry again. I'm that bread. Eat my flesh, drink my blood. I mean, of course, it's... it's, it's it's odd, um, to say the least. But of course, maybe, you know, it's like it's a metaphor. This is, he's a, I am, I am, I will give you true life. Eat my, um, he says here, whoever eats this bread will live forever. I am that bread. And the bread that I give for the life of the whole world is my flesh. Then it says the Jews disputed among themselves, and they're saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? 
Like, they're very puzzled, obviously. I like this included. You know, they're kind of saying, like, I mean, sure, he means, I don't know, this is sim symbolism or something. But then Jesus, like, doubles down. He says, no. No, no. I Very truly, truly, I am telling you, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in you. This is... The, this is content. <laughs> this is content, and it's content that, um, I mean, I just don't think it can compete with a smartphone. <laughs> this is like, um, well, it seems like there's something, there's something bigger here, or maybe beyond the worries of the changing cultural norms of how people gather because yes the church used to be everything in people's lives or um houses of worship you get there and that's how you could you'd volunteer and uh i don't know now you can there's just so many more outlets and the, the church is no longer the center uh, of life the way it once was So what do we have? This insistence of Jesus that we consume him, that we ingest this bread of life. If we really, really want to be alive, I just don't know how things are going to work out if we keep up with this. What does it even mean? I guess let's try it. This is God's table, and all are welcome. On the night Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and gave thanks for it and broke it, and gave it to the disciples to eat, saying, Take, eat. This is my body, broken for you. Do this and remember me. And after supper, Jesus took the cup and gave the cup for all to drink, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you, and shed for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Do this and remember me. To Canaan's land I'm on my way Where the soul of man never dies My darkest night will turn to day Where the soul of man never dies No dear friends there'll be no sad
the House of Mercy podcast. You can experience all this live every Sunday at 5. Check houseofmercy.org for all the details. House of Mercy is a church in St. Paul. You should come. It's not that bad. Man, soul of man, never dies.